This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Jeffy update for you to keep you posted yesterday he went uh, under the knife he's he's getting a breast enlargement surgery and uh, so he, he didn't think his man boobs were big enough all of us disagreed with that of course but um, it wasn't good enough for him you know how that just gets into somebody's head and then they just can't get rid of it and they get until they go for cosmetic surgery and so that's what he did uh, but uh, actually, he had shoulder surgery yesterday. It it went well. They repaired the shoulder. He's just super uncomfortable, so he won't be rejoining us until after the first of the year. And then you know this, uh, everything should be fine. He'll I think he'll still be in a sling by then. Uh, but that is the uh, Jeffy update for the day. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. We're finding out more and more about the killers in San Bernardino, the terrorists. Uh, the terrorist couple apparently had been uh, radicalized long before we'd been told prior to this. Uh, now they're saying that they've been radical- radicalized, both of them, by about 2013. So for at least the last two years, uh, these two had been um, plotting, hoping for jihad, uh, looking forward to jihad, and and planning whatever it was they were going to do. And then they got married last year. And the original reports were that she kind of radicalized him, but it seems like he was radicalized on the Internet uh, already. So now the focus is, uh, of course, with uh, progressives in this country, how do we protect Muslims? Because obviously this was a... Uh, an Islamic extremist attack. And so what does America do uh, in the face of Muslim extremist attacks? We attack Muslims just randomly. Just go out and start beating them viciously. I don't remember that after 9-11 even, where 3,000 Americans were killed. Uh, But uh, that's always the fear. And yesterday on MSNBC, they focused on three incidents where Muslims were attacked. Here's that. 
According to a report from the Council on American-Islamic Relations, there has indeed been backlash since the tragic events in Paris nearly a month ago. I just want to bring up this map. We have a map of the U.S. that will show you where the attacks have taken place. We've pulled three of them. The first one is Clayton Kanzler, 26 years old. He made threats on a mosque. The second one is sort of an infamous character now. This is John Ritzheimer. The FBI has been on him for a number of years. He's, in fact, been mocking the FBI for not being able to track him properly. Really? Finally, Craig, we've got Wait, a, a mosque what? in Manassas. <laughs> People are leaving really vicious voicemails on their oh, no. answering machines. In the past oh. sort of week since the <laughs> San Bernardino attack, yeah. we've seen sort of not attacks, but very, very dangerous rhetoric. Oh, my gosh. That is unbelievably bad journalism. Of course, it's not journalism. It's, it's uh, progressive propaganda. That is atrocious. To call it a tax leading up and then at the very end so you mentioned phone calls uh what was the f what was the first problem a guy who mocked the fbi was the second thing a guy who mocked the fbi is an attack on muslims no uh so let, let's watch that one more time because it's hard to even imagine that they're trying to make this point First of all, they're getting this report from the Council of American Islamic Relations from CARE. And here's what this is the only thing CARE can come up with. Pretty amazing. According to a report from the Council on American Islamic Relations, there has right. indeed been backlash, backlash since the tragic events in Paris okay, nearly so a month ago. I just want to bring up this map. We have a map of the U.S. that will show you where the attacks have taken the place. Attacks. We pulled three of them. The first one is Clayton Kanzler, 26 years old. Right. He made what threats on a mosque. Threats the second on one is sort of okay. an infamous character anything. now. Threats. This is John Ritzheimer. The FBI has been on him for a number of years. He's, in fact, been mocking the FBI no, for not, not being mocking. able to track Please. him properly. Please. No, don't Finally, mock. Craig, we've no. got a, a mosque don't in Manassas. People are leaving oh, no. really vicious voicemails <gasps> on their answering machines. In the past sort of week <laughs> since the San Bernardino attack, yeah. really seen sort vicious of voicemails. not attacks, but very, very dangerous rhetoric. Okay, rhetoric. So it's not attacks. It's rhetoric. That's what it is. And this, this guy, I love the second one, he's mocking the FBI. He's not even mocking Muslims. It is not even directed towards Muslims. It's directed toward the FBI, and he's mocking them. That's what they can come up with. This is why uh, it, it drives me out of my mind every single time one of these attacks comes up, because uh, CARE always refocuses the attention on Americans. It's always us who have to pay attention to them. It's, it's not, we're not the victims, we're the perpetrators now, and they turn this around on Americans every day single time uh police recently shut down and searched three mosques in paris now we haven't done this in america maybe we need to look into at least what's going on at some of the mosques i'm not saying shut them down unless you find something as they did at these mosques in paris uh here's what they found more uh war grade weaponry in these three mosques than they normally find in a year in Paris. Kalashnikov ammunition, Islamic State propaganda, seized during multiple raids in uh, France last week, following the closure of a mosque in the outskirts of Paris. Uh, the mosque is about 20 miles east of Paris. It was shut down on Wednesday, and uh, it's the third one to be closed since the Paris attacks. 
As a result of the raids, nine people were placed under house arrest, another 22 barred from leaving the country. In addition, another man who was in possession of a revolver was taken into police custody, and he was also in possession of extremist documentation. Interior Minister said that the number of weapons seized since the attacks is staggering. In 15 days, we've, we've, we've seized, okay, one-third of the quantity of the war-grade weapons that are normally seized in a year. So they've shut down three mosques in Paris. They found a ton of weaponry. So somebody's planning something. Plenty of ISIS documentation, plenty of ISIS propaganda, and plenty of weapons to carry out attacks. Uh, and it happened at three mosques. So you would think, well, maybe it's worth looking into in this nation as well. Maybe it's worth at least paying attention to. Meanwhile, Al-Qaeda-inspired extremists uh, have been convicted of hacking Br- a British soldier to death. And now he's suing the prison for uh, some teeth that were knocked out. Uh, the extremist convicted of fatally hacking, you might, might remember this from a few years ago, the British soldier Lee Rigby, uh, two years ago. Uh, he's now in prison, and he's suing prison officials over having his front two teeth knocked out. He seeks compensation for losing the teeth during a confrontation with prison personnel after his arrest, but before his trial. He claims he was assaulted by five prison officers two years ago. The government indicated that it will uh, challenge the compensation claim. A Ministry of Justice statement said a police investigation into the incident ended without charges being brought against the officers involved. And yet, uh, the guy is being allowed allowed to sue the, the prison. This is another case of uh, the victims being victimized and the perpetrator being rewarded. I mean, we'll see if he gets any kind of reward for this, if he gets any sort of compensation for his two teeth knocked out, but that's usually the way it goes. Also, uh, I don't know if you saw the long lines around the gun store in San Bernardino near where the attack uh, took place last week. But there's been lines clear outside the building. And apparently business is fairly good at this particular place. Residents in and around San Bernardino appear to be turning to guns to protect themselves in the aftermath. Uh, You might remember that uh, in the immediate aftermath of the San Bernardino shooting, police said, hey, what you need to do is stay inside your house. And uh, we're conducting a search for the people in the area. So just stay inside your house and don't go anywhere. Well... I mean, that's easy to say, but if you don't have anything to protect yourself with, that can get a little a little nerve-wracking, uh, a little bit uh, frightening if you're there and you, you've got nothing to defend yourself and your family with. So people are stocking up now. The attack has pushed people who have never owned a gun to make their first purchase, and concealed carry applications have risen an, by an astronomical rate, according to the L.A. Times. I've never owned a gun before, according to 23-year-old Matt Nicholson. Um, But he has just gone out and purchased a gun now. And this is in California, where the the gun laws are incredibly strict, and it's tough to own them. And you can't get AR-15s in California. It's a little too close to home, Nicholson said. He was not the only one. This is basically home protection, according to Doug Crossman. I'd rather be sitting on the phone with the cops with a gun in my hand then on the phone praying that nobody is going to shoot. Concealed carry permit applications are also up in the wake of the killings. 
the sheriff of San Bernardino County said that 75 permit applications have been submitted over the weekend. That's a seven-fold increase over the normal rate. Uh, but it's still probably not enough. I mean, if you're in California and uh, there's 44 million people, I would, I would say I would expect more than 75 permit applications. But California is difficult, just like uh, New York City is. I think there's something like a 1,000 concealed weapon permit owners in, in New York City. And California isn't quite as strict as Manhattan is, but they're strict also, and it's really difficult to obtain a concealed handgun license there. Terry McGuire, who owns um, the nearby Get Loaded gun store, said his business is up 25% in the last week. Many of the people he interacted with were driven by a desire to protect themselves. Sandy Hook was more, I need to get a gun because they're going to take them. Um, and now people are just plain scared. So you can imagine. I mean, if this had happened uh, in your neighborhood, you'd probably want to arm yourself if you weren't already armed. Uh, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Um, speaking of the latest shootings, though, this uh, Planned Parenthood uh, killer who uh, I was starting to wonder if they were going to release any information about this guy. And to me, it was starting to look like maybe this had nothing to do with uh, the pro-life movement whatsoever. Yesterday, they finally came out with some extra uh, news about him. Apparently, his motivation was, in fact, um, anti-abortion because he shouted in court yesterday that he is a warrior for the babies and will not go to trial. Now, he's 57 years old. You've seen pictures of him. He looks psycho. He is psycho. That's, uh, that's him there. With, I mean, I'm not sure if he has ever owned a comb or a brush, but it would appear that uh, the answer to that would be no. Um, but besides that, his outbursts in court will, uh, were to the effect that, uh, do you know who this lawyer is, the lawyer representing him? Uh, he said he's the lawyer for the Batman shooter who drugged him all up, and he wants to do that to me. Yeah, I'll bet he does. And uh, I'll bet there's probably good reason for drugging this guy up. But uh, whether or not they're, they're going to carry that out, he says they're not going to, and he's not going to go to trial. This thing will not uh, actually happen because he was justified in what he's doing, and he admitted that he did, he did what he's accused of. So we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, he did say, you'll never know what I saw in that clinic. Atrocities. The babies. That's what they want to seal. So, uh, Psycho, who... Uh, uh, apparently doesn't like the lawyer that he's been assigned. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. More of the Pat and Stu show coming up in just a second. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. 
Pat and Stu, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. The CDC, Center for Disease Control, uh, has just given the United States of America an F for sex education, which I say, good. Because, uh, frankly, well, let me, let me tell you first what, what they say is going on. They released a new, uh, some new data showing that fewer than half of high schools and only a fifth of middle schools teach all 16 sex ed topics recommended by the agency. Uh, so I guess they expect you to do everything they recommend that they say to do. In a country where nearly half of teens report having had sex and nearly a quarter of new HIV infections occur among those under 25, they claim that's a dangerous level of ignorance to perpetuate. Dr. Uh, Stephanie Zaza, the director of the CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health, said in comparison to findings from previous years, this year's data shows a mostly flat trend or a lack of increase in the topics being taught in schools throughout the country. Now, is it just me that doesn't want sex ed taught by somebody I don't know to my children? I, I don't, I, I mean, my kids aren't in public school anyway. Um, we homeschooled them, then we, of course, started our own school. So I, I don't have to worry about that. But if my kids were in public school, I certainly don't want them learning about those issues from somebody I don't know. Uh, are you comfortable with that? Triple eight seven two seven Beck. I'd like to hear thoughts on this because maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe most parents are totally comfortable with sending their kids to a public school and and allowing all sixteen of the CDC's sex topics to be discussed in that setting. I uh, man, it makes me really nervous. The CDC's findings are based on a twenty fourteen st- survey that asked middle and high school students in 44 participating states what percent of the schools cover essential topics. Uh, from the benefits of abstinence to STD pre- prevention to condom use. These aren't particularly radical uh, topics, according to this article. The CDC is hardly recommending that schools teach uh, teens about sadomasochism or proper orgy etiquette. This is obviously written from a uh, somewhat uh, liberal point of view. Instead, the 16 topics are the most basic building blocks of safe and healthy sex, communication skills, avoidance of risky behavior, information about the transition, uh, transmission of HIV and more. Uh, so according to uh, the CDC, we need to do a better job of giving our young people the skills and knowledge they need to protect their own health. Do you expect that of your public school, especially middle school. And in some cases, these classes are being taught as young as fifth and sixth grade. Uh, we have stories all the time about fourth, fifth, and sixth graders uh, being taught about transgender things, homosexuality, all of that. As it stands, uh, apparently students in the U.S. aren't learning enough about prevention in advance. In the full range of figures from each participating state, a medium of uh, 72.6% of schools taught 6th through 8th graders about the benefits of abstinence. And 74.9% included information about HIV and STD transmission. But, uh, that's, uh, but those figures were much lower for the importance of using condoms and instruction in condom use. Is that what you want your kids receiving in school? I mean, I, 
I, I certainly don't. I don't want a teacher telling my kids how to use condoms. If, if I, you know, you teach that at home, right? And then, of course, the argument is, well, some parents don't teach that at home, so we have to teach it in our schools. It's the lowest common denominator argument, always. When asked why middle schoolers would benefit from being taught about uh, topics like condom use, Dr. Zaza noted that schools have the ultimate authority in deciding what to cover and when, but added what we recommend is covering all of these topics prior to becoming sexually active. We know that about 30% of teenagers are already sexually experienced in the ninth grade, which would suggest that reaching them really has to happen in the middle school years. Now, has this situation gotten better, worse, or about the same, as my optometrist might say? How about now, better, worse, or about the same? when we started teaching this kind of stuff in school, because it seems like it's going the wrong way here. Uh, it doesn't seem to me that this is having the desired effect. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Uh, also from Truth Revolt, apparently the middle class is shrinking. It's now barely half of adults. And I think Stu has a segment on this, um, uh, on the wonderful world of Stu, either had it last weekend or it's coming up this weekend on what happened to the middle class. But uh, from Truth Revolt, barely half of adults are now part of the middle class, defined as a household making between 42000 and 126000 a year. Really? Is $126,000 middle class? Hmm. Uh, Richard Fry, who co-authored a new study, says that as the middle class has hollowed out, <laughs> I mean, this kind of... This kind of gives away the secret of what uh, the Stu segment will be talking about. And I, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but spoiler alert, if you're going to watch Stu's uh, show tomorrow night. the As the middle class has hollowed out, the upper income bracket has grown from 14 to 21% of Americans. Where are they going? They're moving on up to the east side. To a deluxe apartment in the sky, if you've ever watched The Jeffersons. Uh, that upper class now takes home nearly half of all income in the United States, 49%. That's up from 29% in 1970. We're losing the middle class to the upper class. Now, if it was going the other way, if you're losing all middle class to... Uh, if the if the if somebody who's making $65,000 a year a while ago is now making forty. $41,000 and they're now poor, then you've got, then you've got a problem. Uh, it seems to me when you go from 126 to 250, you're doing better, right? And that's kind of desirable. Uh, it's not that the middle class Americans are worse off. It's that they're uh, falling behind relative to upper income adults. I, I don't know how you make that, that case when... You're leaving the middle class, going to the upper class. The upper class is growing, and that's why the middle class is shrinking. That is not an issue. It's not a problem. Meredith Riley, a 37-year-old social worker in New Jersey, used to think of herself as middle class. It was a, the good life. It was wonderful. And now if I don't go to work, I don't get paid. Wait, isn't that how it normally works? If you don't, if you don't go to work, you don't get paid? Her county job, which paid about $50,000 a year, was eliminated in the recession. Single mother of two, she now works three part-time jobs and makes less money. Well, yeah, as a rule, part-time is going to pay you less than full-time work. Um, that, that does happen.
But this is this is kind of an interesting uh, problem in America. And a lot of the the Democrat politicians are yelling about the middle class disappearing. When the middle class becomes upper class, that is a good thing. But it's not being presented that way. And it's made to look as though we're losing our middle class to the lower class or there's only there's only super rich and super poor. Um, That's that can't be avoided if everybody keeps moving up the scale. Uh, And that's generally what is taking place here. It would be nice if some of the conservative, the more conservative candidates uh, would be able to make that case. Triple eight seven two seven back. But for for more of the stats on this, you can uh, you can check out the wonderful world of Stu tomorrow night. Is it eight o'clock? Tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Uh, more Pat and Stu coming up in the meantime. Seven two seven, B E C K, Patton Stew. Uh, you know what's great about this president is he's kept so many of his well, all I'm sure all of his promises have been uh, totally fulfilled at this point. I mean he's you know taking care of our uh, vets. He got the whole if you like your doctor you can keep your doctor thing hammered down. Um, I mean the list is just really too long to even enumerate here. But we have another uh, story about all the uh, kept promises by this president. A 2009 handwritten signed letter from President Obama to the mother of a wounded veteran is being auctioned off right now. Uh, There's a look at the the actual letter right there. Um, And it's to help defray the vet's medical bills because he hasn't come through, like he said. What, what he uh, wrote there, if you're having a difficulty reading it because it's in his chicken scratch, he says, Cherry, thank you for your note. We are grateful for your son's service, and Michelle and I intend to do everything we can over the next four years to support your family and other military families. God bless Barack Obama. Well, because nothing's been done, and she and the family have received no help from the president, he's not followed through on any of it. He hasn't—he hasn't done a damn thing. Uh, she said something good might as well come out of this, and it's doing no good. Just laying around in my drawer means absolutely nothing to me. I'm going to sell it. Uh, our own um, Michael Pelka from the Blaze is on the phone with us now, and and Mike, you're at the auction right now. Yes, I'm in uh, Chesapeake Bay, Maryland. It's a tiny little town on the. I'm the Chesapeake, and I'm on the canal where this auction house, Alexander's Historical Autographs, is holding a three-day auction event, and this is the last day. This item just sold uh, a few minutes ago. It it was well over the estimated three to four thousand dollars, and I I I think I can say this was the hottest contention for any item. But it actually went for. $5,500. Wow. Which, which will nice. go to the family. Okay. And to give you an idea of just how much more and how big that was, 
there were three other Obama pieces that followed, and none of them even approached the $1,000 mark, and they all were signed Obama pieces. Uh, this one obviously got some heat from all the attention. Wow. How great is that? Just to bring you up to speed on her son's injuries, um, uh, apparently uh, the auction listing for the signed Obama note states that he was 70% disabled by an IED explosion, which blew him from his vehicle, and he received second and third degree burns to his face and hands, uh, along with other injuries. And so despite the fact that Obama had pledged his and Michelle's support, really they got none. Right, Mike? That's well, the situation? Yeah, the, the way the VA has treated this, as you read, you know, this guy's 70% disability. He lives on disability now. He's a single dad with three mm. kids, one being six months old. And the VA graded his injuries as minor. So that doesn't permit him to go to wow. the specialist he needs. And it takes hours to drive to a clinic. And you know how long it takes to get the appointments. So here's a guy, mm -hmm. Bronze Star with Valor, who ran into a burning truck to try and save two of his his brothers in the war in Iraq. And we can't give him the support he needs. Wow. So, Mom, I hope, Pat, I just hope whoever bought it returns that piece of history to that family and says thank you. Yeah, that would, that would be great. Uh, and then maybe they can sell it again. <laughs> yeah, it could be an annual event. More that, cash for that, it. That five grand isn't mm. going to come close to taking care of a you know a family no, right. and and all of his needs. But you know at least we got more than the estimated worth. Now, Mike, the, the skeptical among uh, the media would say, well, she's just some sort of Republican or right wing person who hates Obama anyway, and that's why she's, she's selling this. Do you have, do you know anything about her background or or? what's going on here with the family i don't you know all i know is she's a mom who when her son was injured she went on a letter writing campaign to the va and didn't didn't give up until she got some sort of written response from the president because she and mm. she wrote to the white house saying look uh, emails are not enough i want an answer and i don't want a form letter and he wrote back and made this pledge which we now know is sadly unfulfilled yeah, well, aren't all his pledges sadly unfulfilled? I mean, well, so consistency there, yeah. <laughs> yes, at least he's consistent with unfulfilled pledges. Uh, all right, so, I mean, does is there a fund set up for this family, or do you know we're, about that? We're, we're looking for it. There's been a lot of uh, online whispering, and in the comments section on the Blaze story, people are saying, why can't we set up a GoFundMe for this guy? Obviously, uh, we're, we're at arm's length from the story, so we haven't set one up, but we'll keep an eye out. If one is formed, we'll certainly plug the hell out of it. Yeah, okay. And and you're, you'll be following this for the blaze. Are you posting something on this this afternoon? Yeah, I'm going to put together okay. an update on, on the uh, the winning bid. And I uh, also I purchased a, a Gerald Ford piece here where uh, he signed the pardon to Nixon. So I'm going to maybe uh, post a little bit of that, too, so I can write that off. Oh, you actually did? You, oh, yeah. Yeah? For yourself or for Glenn? No, for me. I, apparently, yeah. they know Glenn down here. <laughs> huh. Any, anyone who has anything to do with uh, political, historical memorabilia in America has been uh, contacted by our boss. <laughs> so you, it's the actual... It's the actual pardon that Nixon signed, I mean, that, that uh, Gerald Ford signed for Nixon? 
Well, they made many copies of them, and this is this is one of the probably thousands of copies, but it okay. is hand-signed by Gerald Ford. And so, you know, the, to have the only nice. president ever in office without ever getting a vote to be president <laughs> yes. and signing the pardon... I think that's kind of cool. Well, so but I, that's I also that part too. of the part of the reason that you could afford this particular letter, probably because yeah, it, yeah, it's not. It wasn't a big item. Not, it wasn't a Glenn Beck item. No, not not our most popular president. All right, um, <laughs> Michael. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, good you job. Got it, Take care. All right. Uh, all right. From Truth Revolt. You know, speaking of Obama promises, speaking of uh, the way this president has delivered, the fines for not having Obamacare. Uh, are set to skyrocket next year. Now, we talked a little bit about this, and I thought it had already happened, but it's coming up next year. So um, if you don't have Obamacare, you must have insurance. You might remember, during the campaign, Obama said something to the effect that uh, having a mandate for insurance, forcing people who can't afford health insurance, is a lot like forcing somebody who's homeless to have to buy a home. What sense does that make? If they can't afford it, they can't afford it. So don't penalize them for not being able to afford it. That was his stance during the campaign because Hillary Clinton's stance was she wanted the mandate. Well, obviously it changed. Obviously he completely turned around on that. He did a 180 as he has on so many other things. And now if you don't have insurance, you will be fined starting uh, next year. The fine for avoiding Obamacare is jumping 47% to $969, almost $1,000 per household, which is a significant increase from um, 2014, the first year of, of fines, when it was $95 per person. So that's almost 10 times the increase from two years ago. One per, so it was $95 per person or 1% of their income. It's jumping to $969 uh, per household or 2% of your income, whichever is greater. So it could be a heck of a lot more than $969. Uh, for the next year, penalties are at $695 right now, as well as $347.50 per child or 2.5% of family income, whichever is greater. The maximum flat dollar amount will be $2,085 per family. So you could pay a, a fine of $2,085 if you're too poor to, uh, to afford health insurance. So we know that you can't afford health insurance, so now we're going to make it even worse by fining you for it. it just, it's, it's madness. It's absolute madness. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Uh, one more thing before we go to break. I, I want to play this uh, public service announcement from a group called Every Town for Gun Safety. Um, This is amazing. Apparently, we can end gun violence. So that's good news. And we're about to find out from uh, Barack Obama, Amy Schumer, Jennifer Aniston, and Sofia Vergara uh, how to end gun violence here. Let's do it. We can. We can. We can. We can. We can. We can end. We can end. We can end. We can end. Gun violence. Gun violence. Gun violence. End. Gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end. 
We can end gun violence. When we come together, Americans can do anything. We can end gun violence. We can <laughs> end gun violence. We can 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 end gun violence. And gun violence. We can end gun violence. Wow. Is that horrifically bad? <laughs> My gosh. First of all, uh, if Jennifer Aniston says it, it can happen, I guess it can. I, I, I can't argue with Jennifer Aniston. She was on Friends, right? So you can't. how can you argue with that? Uh, she's also been in several failed movies since Friends ended. Um, so we can end gun violence. And maybe that's the case if we address the real issues that are going on creating the gun violence, like uh, lack of fathers in homes, for instance. Uh, what's going on in the inner cities, for instance? What's going on in some suburbs where gun violence occurs? What, what, how about democratic control of the cities where the gun violence is worst? How about, how about we end the Democrat rule in those cities so that conditions can improve in those particular cities uh, when they've been uh, atrocious for 60 years now? I mean, we, plus, how bad was that done? Jeez, I, the, the things this administration does, the PSAs they participate in and produce and churn out, in almost every case, are just awful. Triple eight seven two seven back. More of the Patent Stew show coming up in a sec here. Wow. But we can, and we can, and we can, and we can end gun violence. The gun violence, love. gun violence. We can, we can, we can end, we can end gun, we can gun and fight, gun and we can violence and the gun. We can, we can end, we can, we can end, we can end all, we can end all gun violence. Now, we don't know how they're going to do this in every town. Uh, every town PSA that we just played, okay, just unbelievable stuff. Yeah, let's just play that one more time just for fun because we, we can, can, we, we can, can, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can. And can end. We can end. We can end. We can end. Gun violence. Gun violence. Gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end. We can end gun violence. Some fired up people in this thing. Some fired up people can do anything. We can end gun violence. Except to poor people, we can't do that. Gun violence. We can end 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 
gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can end gun violence. We can we can end gun violence. 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 Wow, is that genius? So brilliantly done. Uh, they don't they don't say how, but every town for gun safety. Uh, we can end all gun violence, and uh, I mean we don't have to say how. Uh, Jennifer Aniston said it. Sophia Vergara said it. Barack Obama said it. So it must be true. Uh, fascinating. Which brings me to Wendy Davis, who ran for governor in uh, the state of Texas a while ago. You may remember her. She was she filibustered uh, a, a pro-life bill in the state of Texas. And then she became a superstar in the Democrat Party. And so she all of a sudden ran for governor. She got crushed, fortunately. But she said that there is a decision in her life that haunts her every day of her life. It haunts her you might think wow really does is it the decision to kill two of the babies that were growing in her stomach in her womb at one point is is it the two babies she killed is that no no that doesn't haunt her what haunts her is her support for open carry in texas ever since i had announced my run prior uh, the the prior october we had known this day when I would have to declare my stance on the issue would likely come. In every previous conversation that I had had with my team about open carry, I'd been resolute in my opposition. In the end, there's no question in my mind that my decision to support open carry actually cost me votes I would have otherwise had. And that's why the decision haunts her. <laughs> She's not haunted by the fact that she could have had two children that she now doesn't. She doesn't apparently wonder about that and... What their lives would have been like. No, it's the I supported open carry decision. Uh, these people are just unbelievable. Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K, which leads me to just uh, a frivolous story for a change uh, to wrap up the hour, and that's uh, the the fact that they say according to all of the trade magazines in the movie industry. They believe Star Wars is going to break virtually every record that can be broken. Um, every release indicator suggests it will shatter, batter, and stomp into pieces every record that exists. First of all, there's the ticket sales, the advanced ticket sales. On October uh, 19th, the first day, fans could buy the Force Awakens tickets. It out outsold any other previous single-day record holder, uh, including the Hunger Games. Hunger Games by an 8-to-1 margin uh, on Fandango, 10-to-1 on movietickets.com, 10-to-1 at AMC Theaters, too. No film had ever done a million dollars in advance IMAX theater sales, but The Force Awakens uh, did $6.5 million. A month later, advanced sales have totaled over $50 million, which is yet another record. The box office numbers um, will be... Pretty amazing, I think, to look at when, when, they, uh, when, when they finally come out next week. Projections are kind of tough to make, 
But uh, they're speculating that the movie will open in 4,470 theaters, which would also be a record. The Thursday night previews, they expect that to break the record of Harry Potter, which was $43.5 million for the Deathly Hallows. Uh, on day one, the preview that led to a single record for um, Harry Potter, $91 million, they expect that to be shattered. They think that The Force Awakens will make over $100 million on day one. Uh, for the opening weekend, this is a big one. It's really it's tough to break a record that is at $208 million, and that's 208.8, which was set by Jurassic World. The December record is $86.1 million set by The Hobbit in 2012. And even Disney's conservative projections have it doubling that mark. No film has ever opened to $100 million in December. Because you're doing other things. You know, you're, you're doing Christmas shopping. You're watching Christmas movies. Uh, there's a lot of Christmas parties. You're distracted. And so there's not as much... Uh, desire for people to go to the movie theaters, which is why, as a rule, super big movies don't normally open like this. They they usually open in the summer, but for some reason, Disney chose uh, this time of year, and they think it's it's still going to break the record of two hundred and eight point eight million. Uh, then they also believe that the movie Star Wars: uh, The Force Awakens will be the fastest to gross one billion dollars globally of all time. Barring catastrophe, it's only a matter of time until The Force Awakens reaches, reaches that milestone. It took Jurassic World 13 days earlier this year to reach a billion dollars. And they expect uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens to beat that record, too. I would think it would open... I mean, I, w what do I know? But I would say $220 million plus opening weekend, conservatively. 200, $220 million, maybe 225 ish and then be at a billion within five days. Let's see how that turns out. There's your prediction. Um, more patents due is coming up in just a second. Now, a little more than a second. But it is coming up. It's inevitable. Seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. It is uh, Pat and Stu. Just Pat alone today. Triple eight seven two seven back. Uh, new polls are out. A CBS poll, and usually uh, when you see Donald Trump in the thirties, like thirty percent support, thirty two, thirty five, it's a, an internet poll as a as a rule, and and they'll they'll yell all the time about. It. Well, look at this poll. He's twenty five points ahead of his close. Yeah, it's an Internet poll. Okay, Ron Paul used to do the same thing uh, in all the Internet polls. And last I checked, Ron Paul has never been president of the United States. However, this new poll that shows him uh, at 35 percent is a CBS News poll. 
that is not conducted on the internet. It's a it's a telephone pole and some cell phones. So uh, it's probably to be taken somewhat seriously. It's it's a uh, poll of primary voters, not likely voters, but still uh, registered voters. And his support is at 35 percent. That's up 13 points from October and his highest level of support in a CBS News poll. Ted Cruz, number two, at 16 percent. He's moved into second place ahead of Ben Carson, who uh, led the poll in October. He's dropped to third. So Trump shot past everybody and just kept going until he ended up at 35 percent in this poll. Uh, Cruz, number two, Ben Carson, third. Then Marco Rubio, uh, well behind at 9 percent. Jeb Bush getting just 3 percent of Republican primary uh, polls. Um, that is unbelievable. 3 percent support from the people polled. Most of the interviews for this poll were conducted before Trump made his statements on the ban of Muslims in the United States. And that is probably going to do nothing but help. I mean, who knows? Maybe if they would have taken the poll completely after those, those comments... He'd be at 40% right now because it seems to be a very populist thing to say. Uh, Trump voters continue to be more firm in their support. 51% of his backers say their minds are made up about him. I, 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 how? How is that possible? Please let me know. If you're a Trump supporter, I, I'd love to know what it is. Because it, there doesn't seem to be any amount of factual evidence that will dissuade a Trump supporter from being a Trump supporter. It just And if you give them evidence, you're uh, fighting for establishment Republicans. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Obviously, we're, we're fans of Ted Cruz, who's not an establishment Republican. Uh, we've never been for the establishment Republicans. We've never been Jeb Bush people. So if you're a Trump supporter... I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on why, and especially if your mind's made up. There's just really nothing that can dissuade you from being a Trump supporter. 51% say they're backing him. They're voting for him. He's their guy, period. Uh, compared to about a quarter of voters who support other candidates than Trump. Um, meanwhile, the party itself is not happy about Trump and Cruz being one and two in this poll. Three candidates for the Republican nomination have broken away from the rest of the pack. Two of them, Trump and Cruz, give the GOP establishment nightmares, which leads leaves the uh, third member, uh, Marco Rubio, potentially well-placed to pick up the support of the center-right Republican voters who are looking for somebody to stop Trump and Cruz. Uh, you add all of these factors together, and you know why the establishment is so concerned especially in the, wakes, in the wake of uh, Trump's inflammatory uh, statement about, about Muslims. Now, one GOP strategist, John Fury, says, listen, I think both Cruz and Trump would have a similar effect on the party, neither of which would be very good. I'm actually more concerned about Cruz than I am about Trump. He said, I think Cruz has made a reputation of relentless mendacity. I think he's a demagogue, and I think he'll destroy the party. Jeez. I think Trump is much more of a blowhard, but there's not really a dime's worth of difference between Cruz and Trump. This is what the Republican Party, this is what the uh, heads of the party think of uh, both these guys. But it's especially maddening to me when it comes to Ted Cruz, because 
Ted Cruz is a Ronald Reagan sort of Republican. How is it possible that a, a conservative cannot gain the support of party leaders anymore, the party strategists? It just shows how far afield the Republican Party has gone over the last 20 years. Um, I mean, it's not just Democrats who have gotten so extreme in, in their, at least uh, as far as the leadership. Most of the, most of the big Democrat elites now are socialists. They're not Democrats. And most of the Republican elites are now Democrats. So everything's just been pushed far to the left now. So there's no place for a guy like Ted Cruz, at least to party officials. It's unbelievable. Meanwhile, Jeb Bush's super PAC is burning through a lot of money, and they don't have a heck of a lot to show for it. In this particular poll, as I mentioned, he's down to 3% support. 3%. The guy had, when this all started, something like $125 million between his super PAC and his campaign itself. $125 million. And if you ever watch Fox News, you know that he's spending it like crazy. He's racing through his massive war chest uh, much faster than money is coming in. He is spending close to $50 million in a record blitz that so far has done almost nothing for him. Like I said, 3% in this latest poll. The group Right to Rise has already gone through nearly half of, oh, $103 million it brought in during the first half of the year. It raised only about $13 million in the five months that followed according to a person who uh, has apparently inside knowledge. That leaves the super PAC with about $67 million heading into the first 2016 GOP uh, nominating contest. So we're just about to head into Iowa. Uh, After the Christmas season, then everybody's going to start paying attention to this. And he's already spent almost half of his cash. And you've got the the Iowa primary coming up. You're going to need a bunch of money for that to do TV ads and whatever else. Then you got New Hampshire right after that. Then you got South Carolina right after that. So Jeb Bush could be in just a little bit of hot water. Uh, But the sum still surpasses the resources of rivals. But it's not clear whether Right to Rise's financial might viewed earlier this year as his big advantage will be enough to help him separate himself from the pack. The group's impact so far uh, represents something that's surprising everybody, that money is no longer a clear barometer of success. In other words, he's got an awful lot of money and uh, not a heck of a lot of success to show for it. And it's a little bit embarrassing for a guy like Jeb Bush, whose father was president of the United States. His brother was president of the United States. He's been uh, governor of one of our largest states, and nobody seems to care. Nobody's interested. I really believe that Jeb underestimated uh, the impact of how tired people are of the Bush dynasty. And, and I think Hillary Clinton might be surprised by that as well. She may be a little taken aback by that uh, before this thing is all over. Uh, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Um, also, from the, from the big Paris negotiations on uh, climate change, we are starting to get uh, the African nations demanding compensation for the effects of global warming. 
African campaigners are demanding compensation for the huge damage being inflicted on the continent by global warming, a problem that's been caused by, of course, the rich nations like us, uh, but is hitting poor nations the hardest. And see, since we created this narrative, I, I don't know how you fight against this narrative. As the U.N. summit to tackle climate change nears its conclusion, African politicians are calling for the developed world to provide cash to help them deal with the consequences of a warming planet. You know what, I, what we ought to do uh, in the climate chaos situation is uh, provide them with, uh, I don't know, nuclear plants. Let's, let's help them build nuclear power. Let's, let's help them uh, get their infrastructure established. We don't need to create wind and solar, which are incredibly expensive and don't do much right now with the technology available. Compensation should cover everything, though, from storm damage and crop failure to uh, desertification and forest degradation. The funds should also help meet the cost of mass migration. That's inevitable as huge areas become uninhabitable, as well as the rise in diseases like malaria. The industrialized world has become wealthy by polluting the atmosphere, and now our rivers are running dry and our crops are turning to dust. It's therefore essential that the loss and damage is well addressed in the Paris Agreement. Uh, according to the Secretary General of the Pan-African Climate Justice Alliance, whose alliance speaks for more than a thousand farmers, churches, non-government organizations, and others in 45 African countries. U.S. Special Envoy for Climate Change, Todd Stern. Did you even know that the U.S. had a special envoy for climate change? Uh, he said this week, we won't accept the notion that there should be liability and compensation for loss and damage. That's a line we can't cross. I, again, now, I agree with that. I agree we shouldn't be compensating others for climate change because I don't buy into this. But we, these are people who do buy into it. These are people who have set this stage and said, yes, developed nations like the U.S. Uh, have caused this situation we have hurt the planet. We have hurt these other nations. So how do you deny them compensation now? <laughs> I mean, it's, the hypocrisy is pretty amazing. But he indicated he could be open to financial assistance under a different name, a stance shared by much of the developing world, including uh, Europe and the U.K., and this just keeps going. And, you know, we have, we mentioned on, on radio that uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the stars are on board with this, just like they are with the gun control. Um, Harrison Ford is out talking about climate change right now, and he hopes that world leaders can finally do something about climate change. During an interview uh, yesterday, he said the consequences of inaction are dire. The planet will be okay. There just won't be any damn people on it, to quote him. The, veteran, the star of uh, Indiana Jones and Star Wars didn't mince words. He said people think of dealing with climate change as an adversarial process. They think, well, the United States did this with their resources. Why are they now telling us that we have to adopt a behavior that apparently they didn't? Well, that's all water under the bridge. We're now all in this point in time on this planet. And if we don't work together, the consequences are disastrous. And they'll point to things like flooding in Texas, which we've always had. They'll point to things like drought in areas like California, which come and go. 
They will point to tor tornadoes, which aren't any more frequent than they've ever been, nor intense. They'll point to hurricanes, which we haven't had one in the last eight years in this country. Uh, and so, and they'll point to a, uh, an increase in temperature that is 0.9 degrees over 100 years. I, 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 don't, I don't know how they win this argument, but they probably will. More patents, too, coming up in a sec. 888 727 back. It's Pat and Stu. Welcome. Uh, I'm a little confused by a story on the Blaze. Uh, I didn't know if you uh, frequent the Blaze a lot. You've seen this 12 and 13 year old kid. He's an African African American kid, billed as a young conservative, outspoken conservative. His name is uh, C.J. Pearson, and I. I think we've even played some video clips from him talking about Barack Obama. Uh, Ted Cruz, he was he was pumping Ted Cruz for a while. This is a really weird story. He now supports Bernie Sanders. Like a few months ago, the kid was on board with Ted Cruz. And now all of a sudden, he supports Bernie Sanders. 13-year-old YouTube sensation who uh, publicly disavowed conservatism. I missed that announcement. He announced yesterday his support for the self-proclaimed uh, socialist from Vermont, uh, Bernie Sanders, who he says, I'm, I'm quoting CJ now, has fought for the underdogs of America for more than 50 years. Unquote. He is talking now with the Sanders campaign communications director, Simone Sanders, no relation, about ways for him to be involved in the campaign. Now, when I first saw this, I thought, okay, he's doing some sort of bit. He's joking about this. No. I mean, it's a real, it's the real deal, apparently. I am looking to become a surrogate for the campaign and communicate Bernie's message to young people across the country. Uh, Pearson said that he's proud to support Sanders and that his job on the Sanders campaign would be different from when he led Teens for Ted a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be that would be quite different, I would think. Uh, I wouldn't be leading any organizing, he said, just communicating Bernie's message to young people. What the hell happened to this kid? What? Ha what? In an interview with The Blaze in late November, when the teenager first announced his rejection of conservatism. See, I, I missed that particular article, I guess. And so imagine my surprise now, but he said he didn't plan to work on any more campaigns this election cycle. It's, he started with Rand Paul in April, and then he went to Ted Cruz, and now he's on to Bernie Sanders. See, this is the problem with uh, uh, teenagers. This is the problem with young kids. 
And as I posted on my Facebook uh, uh, page yesterday, uh, there is a huge movement right now from liberals. There's a big campaign to lower the voting age. It's called Generation Citizen. And it's a campaign to lower the voting age to 16 years old. Uh, this is why you don't do that, because they're fickle. They don't understand things. They don't get the issues. They're not mature enough. They don't have the life experience. Kids can't do this. Uh, but but uh, this generation citizen desperately wants 16-year-olds, and they pretty much admit what their agenda is. Uh, the campaign called Vote 16 USA aims to lower the voting age to 16 from 18 to spur civic engagement by younger Americans. The push uh, by a group in New York called Generation Citizen seeks to promote youth participation in politics. And it's, of course, igniting some debate, obviously, because kids are not mature enough, again, to make this decision. Um, Given the general malaise of the country's political process right now, according to Generation Citizen, this is a way to get young people actually excited. I don't want them excited. I, I don't want them excited enough to vote. I mean, that's just stupidity. And they admit that it, it is an effort to get more liberals into the, into the voting pool. And they would. I mean, if, if this happens, uh, as I said on my Facebook page, I don't think a conservative will ever be elected again in this country. Now, they're starting with just local elections, and they've already gotten that accomplished in uh, two or three cities across the country. So now they're trying to go countrywide and get the uh, um, local elections to lower their voting age to r restrictions to 16. And then you know what they'll do. Then they'll go federal. And it would be a game changer. It would end the country as we know it. I don't know if you have teenagers but if you do you know they're stupid you know they're just butt stupid <laughs> not capable of voting uh god love them bless their little hearts uh, i love my own kids I, lo I i have two teenagers right now and uh i you know right now they're in the right frame of mind where they could vote for conservatives because they grew up in my house but I mean, how they like this C.J. Pearson kid, they could change on a dime on a whim tomorrow because one of their friends says something they don't understand. I remember when uh, we sent our oldest daughter to uh, college, and it was BYU. Uh, she'd been homeschooled almost her whole life, then, but she did go to uh, high school because we allowed our first two to make that choice because they wanted to get involved in athletics and and extracurricular activities at school which we couldn't provide so we let him make that uh decision we later regretted doing that and so we stopped doing that but she went to high school and uh really changed her political ideology during high school then went to college and it changed even more shifted even more and so by the time she'd ended her freshman year it was like uh, you know what? This Barack Obama guy's pretty good. No, uh, no, he's not. And then that's when I uh, gathered all the sound I could find from Barack Obama and played it back for her. On my, <laughs> actually brought my machine home uh, from the the radio show to play her all of the sound clips and explain to her what was going on because she'd been indoctrinated by her friends. All her friends thought Barack Obama was great. He's young, he's exciting, he's handsome, 
He looks great coming out of the water on the beach. Uh, he's promised to take care of uh, the little guy. Uh, you know, it's it's enticing. And when when teenagers and young adults hear that kind of stuff, they're easily swayed by it. We can't uh, allow this to happen. And you need to find you need to fight against uh, this particular movement. Again, it's called Generation. Uh, let me see here. It is uh, Generation Citizen. Okay, so look for that name. And if you hear about it, know that this is just a very, very bad thing. Uh, you know, there was a reason that our founding fathers made a requirement in the very beginning. One of the requirements for voting was that you own land. Now, why would they do that? Is that to discriminate against poor people? No. They wanted you to have a vested interest in the things on which you're voting. And that way, if you've already got land, you're not, you're less likely at least to continue to just vote yourselves goodies. And, and you had skin in the game. And so that was definitely a requirement for voting. Uh, you know, if we don't go back to that requirement, we should at least raise the voting age to 35, not lower it to 16. Uh, so watch for my, uh, watch for my movement coming up. Uh, Vote35.com. <laughs> I'm really thinking about starting that because this can't happen if it does uh we're we're toast triple eight seven two seven b-e-c-k eight 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 seven two seven back more patents too coming up in a sec here Because I thought we were in that other room. Yeah, I, no, I've been, doing, been the doing the show in the other room for the whole Yeah, time? where the bagels are. Right. The, but there's no cameras the over there. That should you know, have been a clue. I should have. I didn't even think of that. Should have been a clue. Uh, I just—it was weird. I was like, well, first of all, where's Pat? <laughs> and second of all, there doesn't seem to be any phone calls coming in. I know, no it's responses. Weird. No one's on Twitter. Kind of strange. They're right? all responding to something seemingly completely. Plus, disconnected. there were no lights on. Yeah, no light. Yeah, it was right. It's right. It's a closet. Yeah. It was yeah. dark. Huh. So I apologize. It's a weird situation. Did you, uh, were you able to hear the last uh, story about the little 13 year old, you know, that we play all the time on The Blaze and everybody's praising him because he's this yeah. uh, really socially aware. There he is, uh, CJ Pearson. Yeah, that's kind of a sad story. Uh, I that mean, is a bizarre story. So he was, I don't know it particularly well, but he was, a te- he was like a Ted Cruz supporter. First he was Rand Paul. Okay. Okay. Yep. Then he's Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. And now Bernie Sanders, mm. and all the, within the case, uh, the last year. It's an intriguing uh, combination of it, a few points. It is, mm-hmm. and now he says he's fiscally conservative still, but more socially liberal. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know if he's aware, uh, but uh, Bernie Sanders is not fiscally conservative. <laughs> really, he is a socialist. Well, he's a socialist. It, he doesn't raise want to raise the rates to ninety seven percent, only to ninety. Just 90, though? Just 90%. That's not bad. Well, mid-90s, maybe, if he has to. <laughs> you know what? Who got a hold of this kid? Did he get a little backlash, you think? Yeah, I mean... I from think... some people who, who like him or... 
or somebody took him under his wing. Or but, but this is, again, this is an example of why you don't allow young kids like this to vote. <laughs> I, I should have known this is where you're going. Is this uh, part of your Vote 35, yes! uh, vote 35 concept? Yes. I like this, Vote35.org. Yes. You have to be 35 to be president, right? Is yes, that you do. So that's yes, a perfect age. It's perfect you gotta, age. you got to be able to be president to vote for president. Right. I mean, that's fair. I, it's totally fair. Now, I got a little pushback from some 19-year-old conservatives on my Facebook page last night. <laughs> uh, yes, well, that will happen. But they're rare enough that I don't care. No, I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, look. You know, it excludes my kids, too, and they'd all vote Republican, mm-hmm. or at least for a conservative. But there's too few of them. There's too few. Yeah, and, I, you know, despite the fact that I think the kind of the direction you're going is you want a certain result and you're not getting it enough, so yes. you're trying to change the rules to get the result that you want. Uh-huh. Um, well, I, well, that's I, what they're doing. The, of co- first of all, absolutely what they're doing. It's what yes. they did when they amended the Constitution to let 18-year-olds vote. Yes. Um, and it's what they're doing with felons and many other different categories of people who can't vote, non-citizens. Right. You're absolutely right. That's what they're right. doing. But I actually think there's some a, a legitimate... Um, basis for it. You just don't care about these things. Um, again, this is a general statement on mm-hmm. society, but you just don't care about those things when you're 18 years old. I mean, I've, uh, right. I voted for... Um, a- enough to study them out. Yeah. You know? uh, now, I will say, looking at the electric and the way it's uh, voting right now in the polls, um, maybe adults don't look either. Just throwing Here, that out how there. How about this? Let me throw this out. Mm-hmm. You have to be 35. And you can't be a Trump supporter. Okay, now I'm in. Then you I'm, I, I am fully All right, in. This now one you're now. in. Yeah, I mean, All in right. 1996, I voted for Bob Dole. It was the first president I <laughs> well, ever voted for. Well, but we had to because there was no alternative yeah, except now, for third-party guys who. You know, and we were all afraid of re-electing Clinton, and it happened anyway. But so. that is not why I voted for Al, for Bob Dole. Why did you? Vote I, I didn't Bob vote Dole? for Bob Dole because uh, he sucks. But I didn't. You know, he's the only guy. I voted for Bob Dole because, on the very surface, to someone who doesn't follow it, he seemed great. Yeah, I mean, well, I've seen like a night. He had, you know, he was repu- he was concerned. I remember hearing him on uh, you know shows like Imus. He used to go on mm-hmm. Imus, and he'd be funny. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my basis of it. I mean, I knew I generally sort of leaned Republican in that, like I didn't, you know, want high taxes, and I didn't like when people, you know, uh, you know, there's a the, the people who are coming in there. They're like, you know, the code pink types. I never connected with. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, there just wasn't enough thought for me to justify that vote. I didn't. I didn't think about it. I didn't obsess about it. I listened to some talk radio at the time. But I didn't put I didn't do my homework. I wasn't sitting mm-hmm. there thinking about what the future of the country was. It was it was sort of teams. I like this team a little bit better. Yeah. You know, and I didn't like Clinton because he was annoying and he was in scandals and stuff. But it, it wasn't like I didn't I thought it out as much as I think a lot of people now are thinking out uh, thinking on their vote as I look at the primary results. And that's not enough. You know, I mean, this is supposed to be a big deal. And people talk about, well, we need 97% of the people voting. You know, in Iraq, 97% of the people vote. And here, it's only like 40%. It should be less. I think 1% of the people should vote. And it should be the people that actually look at the news occasionally. Because I think that's about 1%. It's about where my mind is right now. About Mm -hmm. 1% actually knows enough about these stories to actually cast an influence vote. Welcome to that 1%, by the way, Blaze audience. Um, But, I mean, you know, there's, there's not that many. Right. Um, and it would be nice that, you know, we always talk, we've talked about this before in the past of like, maybe there's a way of, you know, you just get a, a basic information test. You know, do you know the Speaker of the House's name? 
Yeah. Who's the uh, vice president? If you can't pass vice, a yeah, Jimmy Kimmel president. poll on yeah. Hollywood, uh, yeah, then you can't vote. You can't vote. And, and the Democrats are always making the point, well, hardly anybody votes in federal elections. Even last time it was 36%. That's a historically low law. Yes, it is low. But the answer from Democrats is always we got to do something. And so what is the something they've chosen to do in this? Get more ill-informed voters into the, into the voting booth. That's the last thing in the world we need. Now, it's good for them because ill-informed voters usually vote Democrat. Ill-informed voters, criminals, illegal aliens, they all vote. They all vote. We just saw a thing yesterday. Seventy percent of Muslims uh, are Democrat. Now, that's, is that necessarily a bad thing? No, not necessarily. But it depends on their uh, point of view. It depends on, you know, if they're radical or not it depends on who's on who they sympathize with i mean there's yeah, a lot of well, things but de i mean the democrat party will take any dead people mm -hmm. uh, they'll just take anybody and um it's it's killing the country it's killing the country yeah and when going back to this uh, teenager it's like he says he's what fiscally conservative socially liberal he seems yeah. to be both fiscally and socially confused very uh, much so. a little inconsistent on both it's not a, much so. it's not a uh, it's not something that i would say Hey, I have huge amounts of fault to pour on this guy. He's what is uh -huh. he? Thirteen? Yes. Yeah. I, the so bottom line is, you don't listen to thirteen-year-olds when it comes to making your political right. decisions. Which is why I'm glad we didn't ballyhoo this kid. Yeah, um, yeah, we didn't. When he was making the conservative statements about now, Ted Cruz. I mean, it's interesting to see a young person who's interested in these in these topics, sure. and particularly interesting to see someone from a particular group of people who don't typically embrace conservative thought to right. maybe embrace it. I mean, I can understand the attraction to the story. There's nothing wrong with the story, but I mean, to do to take it anything other than that, it's like. You know, uh, to, to put it any higher than, hey, a kid has started a bake sale on the corner uh, to raise money for a school. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's great. great. It's great. I mean, it's the not. The end. You know what? It's not gonna. It's not gonna save education in the country. Yeah. Um, it, but it's great that hey, someone is taking a little bit of initiative and trying to get involved. Of course, encourage that. But I mean, let's not. You know, we don't need to turn ourselves over on it. It's, exactly. Uh, it's you know, it's somebody who's young and trying to find their way, and I'm glad they're at least attempting to find their way. Even if they land on Bernie Sanders, if they've thought about it at least a little bit, at least that's something. It's more than most people team seem to do these days. True. Yeah, very true. Just a weird situation, though, and a weird story. Triple eight seven two seven back. Also from uh, mental floss. I know you've been uh, curious about the behind the scenes facts on Mall Santa. Oh my gosh. And we finally have some information on this secretive cult, if you will. <laughs> I refer to it as a cult. Um, now, Jeffy's been trying to be a mall Santa for a long time. Um, He'd make a really bad one. Yeah. Really bad one. He decided to uh, start that process by just gaining the weight first. You're right. And then didn't realize that, that you could just wear like a pillow or something, <clears throat> um, which is, you know, kind of... I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. Somebody should Someone have should have informed him. In the beginning, yeah, yeah. it would have saved him a lot of grief. By the way, did you cover that, that. Uh, Jeffy, uh, sadly, is, is okay? I did. Okay. Yes, I did, I did cover that at the top. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but here's one uh, very little-known thing about uh, Mall Santas is that uh, they go to Santa College. Do, does that happen every time? If you've ever perched on Santa's knee at your local mall... There's a good chance, so it's obviously not every time. Good chance he was a graduate, a graduate of Santa University, mm. run by Nor Programs Corporation, an events company that trains and distributes Santas 
to more than 278 major malls and shopping centers across the country. Hmm. Uh, each of them has to pass a background check and undergo several rounds of interviews. And a real beard is required. Now, when I was a kid, that was not the case. Was it for you? It, they always, it, it was always the fakey looking one. Yeah. You know? And again, this is not, you we're not talking. cotton just taped to his face. Mm-hmm. We're not talking, obviously, here about the real Santa. No, we're no, no. We're talking about the mall people Santas. who, uh, and some of them, the obviously, sometimes, story. obviously, Santa does go to malls as well. Every um, once in a while. Well, uh, we've seen that on many Hallmark movies. Oh, my God. They're almost, he's yeah, almost always one, involved <laughs> on Hallmark. But this is, these are some malls. people who act as if Santa. Like, yes. you know how, um, uh, you know, Jeffy acts as if he's the Michelin man. It's the same type same, of thing. Same thing. Same type of thing. Same thing. But um, a real beard is required because that's part of the magic, mm-hmm. according to the director of the Santa College. Every August... Uh, they host their Santa University in Arvada, California, or Colorado, where hundreds of gentlemen of great mirth and girth gather for four days of training on everything from Santa ethics to how to ho, ho, ho. It's amazing to sit with all these guys in their red shirts and suspenders. You look up and you're speaking to Santa. It's the best audience in the world. Isn't wonderful? Oh, that's beautiful. One, little known fact. About um, another um, uh, somewhat uh, unsafe for the family um, uh, Santa uh, fact so, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, if a Santa uh, needs to take a lunch break, something like that, uh, I mean, you'd think that would be frequent with the amount of food uh, mm-hmm. needed to mm-hmm. maintain the girth. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes another one will step in. Another actor oh portraying Santa will step in for the other actor oh portraying gosh. Santa. Um, and uh, that's kind of great. Uh, so the, they've swapped mm-hmm. the Santa. If Santa you will. swap. That sounds like a great Hallmark movie. The Santa swap? <laughs> oh my God, how is that not made? <laughs> I don't know. This but could that be has to be Christmas Twist Two: The Santa yes. Swap. Yes. By the way, we're gonna are we gonna air Christmas uh, Twist on the Pat and Stu show next week? Oh my gosh, yes. We got it right. Right. Yes. I mean that is uh, Andrew. Make it so. Uh, what you think? What, like uh, Thursday? Thursday? Maybe? Yeah, something yeah. like that. All right. Uh, they get a bodyguard. According to uh, Rosenquist, every Santa from this Santa College. Gets an escort when he leaves the set. This is supposed to discourage mobs of fans from attacking him. That's what we need to. We need. We <laughs> need security. A, is, that a, to, is that a risk? That, I don't know. I don't know. Is there like an anti-Santa ISIS group Either out that, there, or it's the pro-Santa people who just want autographs, oh. and want to hang with him, mm-hmm. and they're protecting him from that? I don't know. How about the money's pretty good? Um, they don't disclose how much they pay its actors, but uh, it's a salary position. Who knew? Well, I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. Um, Five-figure well. range for six weeks of work. That's not bad. Well into the five-figure range, it says. Uh, they also have to study. One of the things you have to have at your fingertips at all times, the culture that goes with Santa, and that goes way beyond the ability to recite the names of the reindeer. Uh, you got to keep up with every new movie or, or TV show where Santa makes an appearance. You could be blown away by a new movie out of out this season that you haven't seen yet, but the kid has has seen like six times. They're asking details about what happened in the movie. You don't know what's going on, so you have to know all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You got to know all the latest toys. Uh, I go through the, the toy catalogs every year. In a nutshell, it's staying current. Like any dentist or doctor has to read professional journeys journals. It's the same with us, but we have to stay up on everything that has to do with Christmas. 
Mm. Yeah, it's a good safety tip for them. And uh, they're also not allowed to promise. Uh, one of the worst things uh, a Santa can do is promise a child they'll get the toy they want for Christmas. Only the real Santa can promise you a toy. Correct, yes. Um, so, so if the real Santa has been swapped out for one of the mall Santas, mm -hmm. then he can make the promise, right? Right, I think that's... Because he'll know he's going to bring it. Sure. It's a confusing story to stay consistent on. Yes, it is. Is what I would say. <laughs> um, so, uh, so there you go. I, I think um, that's kind of interesting. Here's, a, uh, by the way, a portrayal of what Jeffy would look like playing Santa. In case you see this... At your local mall, run uh, the other way. I was actually told uh, there's a Photoshop behind you of uh, Jeffy as Santa. Really, there's Photoshop executives complaining about that description. And then right now, like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not a Photoshop. That seems to be a small picture of Jeffy's face, just superimposed, just superimposed over the. I don't know if I would say that's a Photoshop job, but uh, all right, triple eight seven two seven back. More patents too coming up. The budget's kind of small. Yeah, we don't really have small. We don't have a licensed copy of Photoshop. We have a Photoshop spelled with three P's. <laughs> it's not really that good. <laughs> and we use Microsoft Paint as well. Another one of our uh, consensus views, another one of our widely accepted facts, uh, out the window, uh, gone, over. Uh, we're busting so many myths from salt to cholesterol to the Big Bang Theory. I don't know what to believe anymore. Mm. What do I believe? Well, you only know or uh, use 10% of your brain, Pat, so how can you know what to believe? Except <laughs> we've blown that out of the water, too. We uh, use all our brains. Mm. <laughs> We're not exceptionally smart if we use all our brain. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so according to the LA Times, <laughs> scientists now say happiness won't extend your life after all uh oh how many times have we been told oh happiness is the key to longevity <laughs> you'll just be you'll live a longer life and you'll be healthier no not so much a uh, new paper published in the medical journal lancet comes to the sad conclusion happiness isn't responsible for longevity Instead, the things that make people happy, like good health, are the same things that shield them from pre premature death. So if you're feeling good, you're more likely to be happy, and that might lead to longer life. But if you feel crappy and you're not necessarily happy, of course you're going to die because you feel crappy and there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it has nothing to do with trying to be happier. It just don't get sick. to do with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, that seems to be the type of thing that would be proved wrong, doesn't it? I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a type it of does. statement. Now, look, I mean, being happy will make you want to live longer. Uh, when you're not happy, you probably mm -hmm. are like, ugh, forget it. I'm bailing on this. Um, you know, you won't live any longer, but it'll feel like it if you're not happy. You know what I mean? So you might want to try to be happy. Uh, but it's not, there's no, like a lot of times we, we like connect these things like, happiness or self-esteem is another great one mm -hmm. self-esteem if you hold yourself in you have a high self-esteem your life is going to be better you're going to be live it's going to affect other parts of you too mm. your heart's going to beat more uh, on beat more often and live longer and be stronger and your blood flow is going to be better and uh, your joints will be less painful now it's probably none of that probably more to do with the joints Mm -hmm. uh, than the mm -hmm. self-esteem, you know, mm -hmm. it's like we kind of like to connect mm -hmm. those things because 
obviously, like, when you are happy and you're having a good moment, you don't notice maybe certain aches and pains as much or, you know, but it, it really probably doesn't affect your health at all. It's just makes when you're alive better. You enjoy it more. I have spent so many of these lately. The water thing, water, extra water, drinking water yeah. d does nothing for you. Uh, it actually can do harm and if you drink it, yeah. too much. A lot of people are drinking so much water now because that's been so drilled into people's minds from people like Michelle Obama, but she certainly right. was more water. Drink more water. Drink more, drink more. Without respect of how many you're drinking now, drink more than you're doing now, no matter how much you're having. Um, and actually, that can be damaging to people in really large amounts, but more mm -hmm. likely than not, what's going to happen is you're going to waste a lot of time drinking water that you don't like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because uh, if you if you liked it, you would have drank that much before. So <laughs> yeah. if you're drinking more probably. than you want, then you actually are probably doing harm to yourselves, at least your happiness levels. Which breakfast. Of course, breakfast is the most important yeah, meal that's of another, the day. That's another big one. No, they just found out. Uh, I mean, it was uh, that was one of the more recent ones. We just yeah. did that a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. Breakfast, uh, n no more important than any other meal of the day. Um, yeah. I, I guess in that you're hungry in the morning because they call it breakfast because you're breaking a fast from the night before and you haven't eaten and you've been sleeping for eight hours. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so when you wake up, you might want to eat something because... Uh, you're probably hungry. You're probably hungry. Yeah, but it's not the most important. <laughs> but it's not a big deal. And this is another one like they've talked about is uh, some studies have showed eating five small meals throughout the day uh, doesn't help you. Um, lose weight, but I mean, some people it does. I know Jeffy, for example, when he does that, um, he's he's been on a, a plan that has uh, has uh, you know a design like that, and and when, it, and when he does that, it really works for him. And he's lost he lost a hundred pounds doing it. Um, yeah. Some people, I think it's kind of like what works for you. You know, I, I always um, mm -hmm. you know like going to the gym, for example, is a good example of this. Um, I of course never want to go to the gym uh, in my life. However, the time I really don't want to go is at like five o'clock in the morning before the radio show. No. No way. Never. Yeah, no way. Now, my wife, totally into it. She'll get up every, she, sometimes when we come in, you know, because we leave, obviously, you know, we're here. Um, if you're, you know, if you watch the show live on The Blaze, you know that, you know, we start the show at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Um, uh, so it's 8 a.m. here, which means, you know, you want to be in, uh, you know, I got to be in pretty early. I've got to be in 7 o'clock, 7.15 at the latest, you know. Um, and uh, my wife, to do that, has to go to the gym at 5 because she wants to go before I leave mm -hmm. because she has to be back for the kids. So I wake up uh, to take my morning shower. She's already working out, which I just think it's stupid. <laughs> um, but I'm glad she, you know, I mean, uh, she can do that. I mean, I don't know how I couldn't do it. I, I can't do it. But on the way back, you know, I can, I can get myself a yeah. little bit of energy going. Right. But for her, if she doesn't do it in the morning, she won't do it. I think working out in the morning that time of day uh, is for communists. It's uh, it's for communists. So you're saying my what? My so, wife's a communist. She's a communist. Oh, yeah. wow. You might want to look into that. Oh wait, she just flipped from Bernie Sanders back to Rand Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Who knew it's possible? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's just what works for you, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah. Right. Uh, there's a guy. Um, you know, I I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, so I apologize, but he's from he's a conservative uh, blogger, and I was reading uh, one of his posts the other day, and he's like, I just lost 39 pounds. People are asking why. Here's how. Um, and he just wrote, uh, well, first of all, every diet plan works. They all work if you actually do them. Okay, that's number one. Number two, uh, uh, you know what? People will tell you oh, it's going to be so great to eat, um, you know, and you're, you're not, you're not going to be hungry. And, and if you do this, you're never going to be hungry and every, you're going to be really happy. Actually, it's going to suck a lot. You're not mm -hmm. going to enjoy the food in the way you normally do. And a lot of times you're going to be hungry and it's going to piss you off. Yeah. But that's part of it. But if you keep up doing it, 
uh, you're going to lose some weight. And we, how many times have we found that, Pat? I mean, oh, both Pat and I are on the time, mega man. roller coaster of weight loss and gain. Yeah. And it's like, that's what happens. When I follow it and I actually do it, then I you lose, lose weight. weight. When I and don't and I eat like right I want back, to, I'm a fat ass. Go right back to your habits. Yeah. You get fat again. Yeah. I mean, and then you think, wow, I'm too fat. I'm going to go back to the weight loss yeah. thing. And, and it's a, yeah. It's, it's hard. But, but it's a contrary to popular belief. It's not the diet's fault. It's no. my fault. Right. It's your fault. It's definitely Jeffy's fault. I mean, everything's Jeffy's fault in some well, way. Well, yes. I mean, I mean we, we've established that pretty You know, well, the 2008 financial crisis, for example. Yeah. Jeffy. I mean, I, I blame that on Jeffy generally. Yes. Pearl Harbor. He ate too much. It was a big Jeffy, Jeffy. thing. Jeffy. Jeffy. It's always Jeffy. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis was Jeffy. Jeffy's uh, situation. Jeffy. I thought. Jeffy. Um, many STDs, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah.